to you. Uh, this morning, I'm going to invite up uh, three therapists, and uh, so they're going to come grab their seats uh, up here. And we're doing something a little bit different. We did a panel uh, several months ago with some uh, different folks with a family talking about uh, foster issues and fostering uh, children. And this morning, we uh, get to hear from uh, this group of three people. A little bit of background about uh, how and why we came here, just uh, pastorally in life for me, and I don't know about for you, but maybe you've had the same experience, but uh, COVID, uh, things going on among young people, things going on in our culture have caused me to see uh, just almost innumerable people uh, experiencing a variety of mental health issues, anxiety, depression, things like that. And that happens outside the church but it also happens inside the church just as commonly, and maybe uh, more commonly in some uh, contexts because of ways the church has been with people. You can think about a couple of those yourself. And so how do we talk about this in the church when we've often sort of pushed that to the sidelines to mental health professionals and to hospitals and to psychiatrists? And so uh, we're trying to bring those two together today because they really do belong together or are integrated in many ways. It's not like mental health is over there and spiritual health is over there, but they very much overlap and are integrated. So Jesus, you remember Jesus. Um, So I I just printed out a few verses this morning from the Gospel of Matthew. We spent a lot of time in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew over the last um, months. So this is just from uh, Matthew chapter 24 or uh, chapter 4. Uh, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. You know all of that. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. Healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about Jesus spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, which uh, there's been a lot of debate around uh, among scholars about what demon possession may have been like in certain situations and often could have included what we call today mental illness of various sorts. So the demon possessed those having seizures and those paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. And that word, uh, interesting to me, because, you know, I sort of like the Greek, but do you know what that word is, healing that occurs twice? It's the Greek word therapuo, the Greek verb therapuo, from which we get therapy. And clearly Jesus is about healing all kinds of people of all kinds of maladies, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and otherwise. So when we look at the scriptures, we see that clearly. Um, Peter, in his first letter, cast all of your anxiety on the Lord because the Lord cares for you. We see examples, I don't know, you probably deal with this all the time, but examples uh, in the scriptures, for example, Elijah, who went through this very dark season in his life, which today we might see and interpret as maybe what it was, clinical depression, one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. So we're going to explore the integration of faith and uh, mental health this morning. I'm really grateful for the three of you uh, being with us this morning. I, I know, well, Go ahead. Introduce yourselves uh, a bit. Uh, They've seen a little bit about you in uh, some of our publications the last week or two, but uh, please introduce yourself. Um, My name is Sonny Arnold. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist, uh, and um, 
I have been in uh, practice since about 1978, so a long time. I did my training at Fuller Seminary. I have my PhD in clinical psych and a master's in theology. And um, uh, I must say that um, uh, what you're just sharing uh, resonates with me in terms of my own journey in this field. I started uh, my training in a secular setting, and um, my uh, initial uh, struggles and my initial questions were, how does this fit with my faith? Uh, and fortunately, I was able to um, find a wonderful psychologist at Westmont College, uh, and we had many wonderful discussions, and that led me on to uh, Fuller. But I think there's a wonderful integration in terms of what we can do as therapists in people's lives as far as relationships and some of the areas you mentioned in terms of anxiety and depression. And God's work in that is very, very powerful. Um, and being able to take the truth of what we understand uh, from the science behavioral sciences, and the truth of what we know in Scripture and our relationship with God is an incredibly powerful model to help people. Hi, I'm Candace Thompson. Um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I got my degree from USC and then started doing counseling uh, with Christians because I am a believer and went back and got my certificate out of a Western seminary in biblical theology. Um, and I've been practicing for about 15 years. Um, and one thing that struck me as the pastor was speaking, you know, as believers, I think a lot of times we see our place in the Bible as being like the hands and feet of Jesus. And we put ourselves in the Savior position. Um, but we're the people of God. We're the Israelites. We are the ones that God is forming and that we continue to sin and walk away from God. And, and, and within our journey of formation as humans, our emotional health is a really big piece of that, that God is after every part of us. You know, we're called to love the Lord your God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And so uh, I don't see there being a spiritual camp and then a separate camp for mental health. God created all things. And so God is within the work that we do of healing wounds in people's lives and, and be bringing us all into integration. Hi, I'm... Hello? Yeah. Talk right into it, right? Yep. Yes. Hi, I'm Steve Barney. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist also, and I've been doing this for a while also, but in the beginning, of my, my first career was as a chemist in industry, and I did that for 18 years, and then I went to grad school in, uh, when I was about 39, and, and, you know, so in the early 90s, I was doing pastoral counseling in a church, and then got my clinical degree. Um, like you said, Pastor, e Elijah was depressed, and even at the point that he asked God to take his life. So he was suicidal. And so God's got everything in the Bible to help us to relate, and the truth is there. I, I think for me, as, 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 uh, as I, you know, combine both spirituality and, and psychology, for me, is that one of the things I love when working with, with Christians is, that oftentimes our, our, our Christianity, our theology is off. And so, you know, what I've found is that bad theology produces pathology. And, and so, you know, what I enjoy is helping us, helping all the people that I work to work with to get, get closer to God, to, to connect. And so that's about, you know, some of the things that I do. Thank you. Um, and full disclosure, uh, I've 
seen, visited, spent time with Dr. Arnold in a clinical setting, uh, and he's been helpful for me at uh, various times just to touch base, check in, uh, have someone to work with uh, to talk about things that are hard. Yeah. Um, how does your Christian faith uh, impact or make a difference uh, in what you do versus someone who maybe doesn't have a Christian faith? I think it happens in a lot of different ways, and we'll probably all share the, the various ways that that occurs. Um, certainly, to have the... All of my training was in secular settings. I really couldn't talk about my faith and couldn't talk about the people that I was working with about their faith and how it impacted uh, their lives and what they were going through. And so to have the freedom to be able to fully process not only what's happening on the emotional and psychological or relational level, but what's happening spiritually, to, be, to have the freedom to have that be very much a part of what we do, to be able to pray for all of my clients that I see, uh, and for us at times when it, when it fits to pray together about their experience, uh, to look at what God says about uh, what they're experiencing and how their spiritual life, their relationship with God, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, can offer so much to them as they struggle with some incredibly difficult things in their life. So to, to have the fullness of that in the work um, is, uh, fits for me perfectly in terms of who God has made me and I think um, uh, how he has led me into this type of, of, of work in his kingdom. Yeah, I agree. I think for myself, it, it feels really powerful to know that not only do I believe in, in the interventions of therapy, but I also believe that the Holy Spirit is inside of me and, and present and that it is God's will for anyone, a believer or not, to become whole. And the more that people are aligning their lives with goodness and, and letting go of behaviors that are um, eating away at them, that they're coming closer to God, whether they realize it or not. And so I think it's really powerful as a believer to sit in that space and know that like we're doing God's work, whether our client is a believer or not. Yeah, all of the same, uh, you know, plus is that, you know, for me is that, you know, I was a Christian first, you know, and this year I'm celebrating 50 years knowing Christ. And so, it's like that's the most important thing in my life. And my own connection to God actually helps me to deal with the issues of anxiety and depression. And so I think that connection with God is the most important thing. And so when I work with people, I try to help them to move the block blockages away from being able to connect, you know, with God and with a healthy self. Thank you. So I've got a, a variety of questions. Some are sprinkled in that folks from the congregation have submitted. We'll get through as many of those as we can. Uh, for what reasons and what circumstances and for what kind of help do people most commonly schedule time with you? Uh, for individuals that are coming in, they're usually dealing with, um, they're struggling with uh, significant, let's say, anxiety, depression, um, relationship issues in their life that they're just not able to resolve. Um, and uh, those are certainly a lot of the things that, that we see as people are coming in. And the full range of things, as, including things like bipolar disorder, um, autism spectrum disorder, some of the things that you might not um, 
necessarily see as frequently, because I think most of us can have times of anxiety and depression. Uh, I, I think it's almost normative uh, for, <laughs> for all of us. Um, but we see the things, too, that, aren't, that occur uh, not as frequently. Um, but, uh, and then as far as relationships, a lot of marital things, because uh, some people find marriage to be challenging. I, I, I don't get it. No idea what you're talking yeah. about. Um, uh, and, of course, um, just family issues, too. So those are frequently the types of things that we see. Yeah, I would say depression and anxiety are the most frequent reasons people come to see me. And then as we dig in, a lot of times that's connected with a trauma um, or something else that people have been carrying with. Um, I also do a lot of work with um, Christian dating. I see a lot of, like, young adults I grew up in the era of I kiss stating goodbye and a lot of language that didn't equip me and, and my peers to date in a way that was full of freedom and empowerment. And so with that, I see a lot of um, not only people trying to find their partners, but unpacking their childhoods and learning about their attachment styles and learning about the ways that they can look for healthy people and also be a healthy partner. Yeah, amen. And, you know, it, it's, it's funny is that when I started my practice and in, even an internship, I thought I'd never see people with trauma. But, you know, it's, it's there every week. And, and uh, I specialize in, you know, in addiction, in addiction helps, you know, all kinds of addictions. And so everybody with addictions has, most people have trauma issues. And so I'm regularly dealing with anxiety, uh, I'm dealing with trauma, and I'm dealing with addiction issues. So, you know, when people come in individually, that's the issue. When I work with couples also, it's like one or both of them have some addiction issues or trauma. And so it's everywhere. We have, as human beings, even as Christians, we have habits that sometimes turns, turn into addictions. And so we need to work hard to stop those. We've been hearing more about trauma in our world. Uh, m many people may not be familiar with the scope of what you mean by trauma. Can you say a little bit more about that and uh, maybe how common or uncommon it is, what uh, trauma looks like and what trauma often leads to and how someone who's experienced trauma can be helped? Shall we go this way this time? Yeah, okay, so Thanks I'll start. Yeah, um, you know... Um, Trauma can be thought of as two, two levels. You know, we have what we call, uh, you know, big T trauma, you know, which is, could be described by, you know, people that helped with 9-11, people that, you know, went in, the firefighters that went in and brought out people from the, from the two towers. But, but then there's something that we call small T trauma, which can be, you know, smaller traumatic events in our childhood. And this is a point where, you know, oftentimes we don't remember our trauma and, and, and you know, w sometimes it comes out by triggering events. And so traumatic events can be, you know, regular traumatic events, chronic events can be something like, uh, you know, when you're a child, there's a, a divorce happens in the childhood, you know, and the loss of, of leave, uh, the, the family is very traumatic. And so the, even those traumatic events can be what we call small t traumas. Yeah, so clinically trauma would be defined as anything that we interpret as being a threat to our safety. 
whether that's an actual threat, like we're in physical danger or something that we're perceiving as a threat. Um, and so, you know, I would say in the almost all of the work that I do, people have a trauma, whether it's, you know, childhood abuse that isn't talked about. I get a lot of spiritual abuse because I'm a, you know, Christian therapist. So a lot of people come to me that have had wounds from the church, from bad theology or misused power. Um, and yeah, I mean, all the way down to experiencing a divorce or being bullied. Uh, I, I think we, you know, maybe it was always prevalent, but especially in our day and age and with a lot of the um, mass violence, there's a lot of just like societal trauma of feeling danger and um, trauma that people experience being isolated in COVID. I mean, right now I think it touches everyone in, in some form on, on the scale. So there's an increased lack of safety today. Uh, just thinking in terms of uh, what uh, people often say about kids. Kids are resilient. They'll get over it. Totally. Yeah. Um, and uh, the reality is, is that um, we don't get over a lot of those things. Uh, when I think of uh, actually just my own childhood and not realizing all the things that impacted me in my own childhood, being raised in an alcoholic home uh, where there was, um, uh, I would say, uh, significant degrees of dysfunction, um, there was a lack of safety, uh, there was abuse, uh, and uh, there was no consideration for the impact that that was having on me being raised in that home. And uh, the viewpoint was, he's a kid. He's, he'll be okay. Uh, he'll recover from all of that. Um, and it wasn't until I got my own therapy and started realizing what I had gone through and the impact that it had on me uh, that uh, I came to understand, oh, those things actually were traumatic. They had an impact on me. So um, I, I think so often um, we don't realize that uh, I think probably most of us, if we go back and look at the history of our lives, we would probably find things in which we experienced those moments in which we didn't feel safe. And it leaves an impression. Uh, we don't automatically get over those things. Hmm. Our, um, and different question. Uh, are prayer and Bible reading helpful in addressing these sorts of things? Yeah, I, they're helpful, absolutely. I mean, we believe in the power of God, and there's a whole like unseen world where God is fighting on our behalf, and, and we encourage our clients to use spiritual disciplines. Um, but there is a, a misunderstanding um, that we could pray something away when... You know, God has provided us so much. You know, you look at, like, medicine. We could sit there and pray that God will make us healthy, but if you have diabetes, you need insulin. And it's the same for our emotional health. You know, we can pray, and, and God will listen to our prayers. But part of God providing for us is providing professionals, providing access and resources to real steps you can take to heal those things. And so while prayer is a component you know, there's a lot of different components that God has blessed us with in this, in this vast earth. Mm. Would you say that uh, prayer and Bible reading and some of the traditional Christian disciplines uh, may not be sufficient typically for dealing with trauma or deep emotional challenges, wounds, etc.? Yeah, using from my own experience... Um, or I, can be supplemented by sure. other... Um, I became a Christian when I was nine, Billy Graham crusade. Cal Palace back in the 50s. Um, and um, uh, my relationship with God was incredibly real for me uh, all throughout, uh, from, from nine on. 
and I was very active in the church and very active in youth group and prayed and studied and and um, uh, scripture was very important to me. My faith was very important. My fellowship was very important. Uh, and yet, it wasn't until I got into therapy that I was able to understand some things that those things didn't help me understand. Um, and so, was all of that important in my life? Absolutely. Uh, it actually helped me survive. Um, but then, when I started to put the pieces together in my therapeutic experience, it really freed me up tremendously uh, and allowed me to understand my, myself a whole lot better and break a lot of patterns of behavior that came out of that dysfunction and that trauma that I was able actually now to fully let go of and move forward. So the combination of my faith, uh, my understanding of scripture and reading scripture and praying um, as I still do uh, throughout my life uh, and especially day in and day out as I do this work, prayer is essential. Uh, for me in terms of doing this work. Um, but the clarity that came through my therapeutic experience really created, I think, what I needed uh, for a more full healing experience. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that Jesus did with the people that listened to him was to tell stories. And that was very therapeutic. It related to their, their, their issues of their life every day. And so that's what we, in a sense, do we try to get to the deeper issues that are not easily come by, you know, just, you know, just a surface reading mm -hmm. and a surface praying. I, one thing that you were saying was uh, about how those, uh, how therapy helped you understand uh, the scriptures or your experience. I've sort of had that same sort of experience where therapy or understanding mental health has helped me to understand the scriptures. The scriptures have helped me understand uh, mental health and, and those sorts of issues. And it's, they sort of complement each other and can work together. And you open, uh, all of a sudden one's eyes are open to, oh, that's what that means, and that's okay, and that's, um, yeah. Um, can we pull the window or the curtain back on therapy just for a second and talk about what happens in therapy? For some people, therapy is taboo or, uh, you know, you're scared of it or kind of say, no, thanks, that's not for me, or my church kind of frowns on therapy. But w what happens in therapy or in a session with one of you or a therapist? Okay. Um, so I'm for, if you're meeting with me, uh, a lot of what we do is just I listen to hear your story, to bear witness of your story, but also use my expertise to help you connect some of the dots, um, to help you see where the misbeliefs that you have in your life, whether around God or yourself or the safety of relationships or the world around you, um, and working over time to replace those misbeliefs. Um, also, we provide, you know, um, like coping mechanisms and help with other techniques that you can use if you're having panic or uh, anxiety, depression throughout the week. So, you know, it's, a, it's all just talk-based, you know, conversation like this and using our skills of listening, but also our expertise of what we see. Um, and I also think, you know, the gifts of the Holy Spirit being intuitive and asking the right questions. And um, over time, I will say this to my, you know, new clients every time, is if you really commit to therapy, if you show up, if you do the work, if you really believe in your healing, we're meant to heal. Just the way that, you know, a, an, 
an acorn in the ground is meant to become an oak tree. You just have to remove the obstacles. And so that's part of, you know, we help remove the obstacles and you will get to a place of healing. Great. So oftentimes when people are coming in, uh, my initial questions are such things as, um, what are you wanting from our work together? Um, you know, this is a collaborative relationship. We're going to be working together on whatever it is that brings you here. I, I want to understand your experience. I wonder, I want to understand what you're really wanting and needing from this experience. So the listening part is critical for us to really gain that understanding. At the same time, I'm also going through some decision trees in my mind as to um, what level of depression is this that this person is going through? Uh, mild, moderate, severe. Um, might it be so severe that medication would be appropriate for them? Um, are there things in their life, uh, significant uh, experiences in their life, uh, that I need to probe a little more? Because oftentimes people will maybe gloss over certain things. Oh, yeah, my childhood was great. Uh, and then as we talk a little more and we look into childhood, uh, might not have been so great. Uh, so it's an exploratory process, and it is... It is a, developing a therapeutic relationship in which we're working together on things. Um, and, um, you know, the old idea maybe uh, that you come in and you, uh, you see a shrink, uh, you know, and the shrink has all the answers. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the shrink is going to do these magical things. Uh, well, that isn't the way it works. Uh, at least it doesn't work this way, uh, that, that way anymore. So it really is building a relationship that is based on trust and openness um, and, and really looking at is what is going to be most healing and most therapeutic uh, for the person that we're working with. Um, and uh, it's, for us as therapists, um, it is a very special relationship because we realize that people are sharing with us the deepest parts of their life. Um, so we have great respect for that and it's a real honor in terms of doing this work. Great. So no crystals, no swinging things in front of people? Well, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humor. Humor is important in therapy. You know, we need to have humor. And, and in addition to what everybody said is that I might ask, you know, a question early on, what do you expect from counseling, from therapy? What do you expect? And a Christian may say, well, I'd like to be able to, you know, have you use the Bible in some ways. I'd like to have you maybe pray. And so those are questions important that Christians will bring, you know. And, of course, you know, I can, I can you know, pull out my Bible and, you know, and, you know, and, and use that. You know, but the important things are, like Dr. Arnold pointed out, is that we're, we're looking for the problems and how, how difficult they are, how severe they are, and finding ways to remove these blockages to full life, okay. to a fullness in God. Great. Uh, another question. What are some of the manifestations of anxiety or extreme stress or depression that you see that people that regularly sort of show up at your office? What are some of the things that cause people significant anxiety? Or what are the manifestations of that in a person's life? Uh, anxiety, uh, we're, we're all going to probably speak to this and speak to this in different ways. Um, but anxiety often comes from an interaction between the stress we're going through uh, in life, uh, our own um, physiological, psychological, emotional, and spiritual uh, abilities to manage that stress that we're going through in life. Um, and there are some times in which our system begins to break down. 
Um, and the symptoms of the breakdown might be we find that uh, we're not sleeping well. We wake up at three in the morning and all of these, these worry, anxiety experiences are running through my, our minds and, uh, and we can't stop them. Um, we maybe are beginning to avoid doing certain things, going certain places, seeing certain people. We begin to isolate ourselves uh, because physiologically our system feels so uncomfortable that we just can't tolerate the things that we normally tolerate. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's levels of worry anxiety and it can range to a point at what, in which it gets to phobias. Uh, and, you know, staying so isolated that we can no longer function. So there's full spectrum in terms of uh, what can happen in terms of anxiety. Yeah, so typically if we're moving through life and we experience something difficult, a lot of times our executive functioning skills kick in and we know what to do and we solve the problem and we move on with our day. Uh, but what happens with anxiety is our mind interprets the situation or the trigger as being a threat to our safety and so our sympathetic nervous system kicks in we go into the fight fight or freeze and we're no longer able to access all of our faculties the way that we usually would and so our work as therapists is to figure out what is happening usually it's a trigger of some sort that's connected maybe with a trauma a memory a former wound um, a lack of skill that you were never given throughout your life and to help you um, process through that and get to a place of healing so that the next time you experience that kind of trigger, it goes into the same system as you typically would and you could access all your executive functioning skills and, and move on. And that is the process of integration. Ditto, ditto. <laughs> what I'd like to add is something of my philosophy about anxiety is that we are anxious in a great way because we tend to leave ourselves and we worry about things that are out there. And so when we leave ourselves, we, you know, we create, you know, this fear, this lack of connection to self. And so I've learned by treating addictions over all the years that I've done this is that isolating creates the possibility and the need for medicating ourselves for addict addictions. And so, you know, I think of, you know, when I treat anxiety, I want the person, uh, you know, that I'm helping to be able to find ways to connect with themselves and to connect with God. And so, in addition to everything else that we've said is that anxiety and addictions, you know, are connection issues. We need to learn to stay with self and we need to learn to connect with God. As a, as a Christian therapist, uh, what are the best things, and this is a real general question, generally, what are the best things that a person can do or practice or include in their life or not include, get rid of in their life, uh, to help with their mental and spiritual health? I, I think the best thing that if we can do as humans is sit with our emotions and let sad things be sad and hard things be hard. Uh, I think as believers, sometimes there's this belief that because we have the Holy Spirit or because Jesus died on the cross for us, that we need to move toward the place of completion. And we forget that God is within the process. I mean, clearly look at the whole universe and the Bible. God is not in a hurry with us. And I think people are getting in a hurry with themselves or hard on themselves when they're going through something difficult and they just want to get to the end of it. And 
the most valuable thing that we could do is slow down and sit in those emotions, listen to those emotions, and go from there. Mm. That makes me think of uh, the ancient idea, commandment, of uh, taking a Sabbath, uh, which literally just means cease, stop, sit, wait, listen. And um, in our busy world, maybe we don't do enough of that, of slowing down, stopping, and being with one's emotions or just being. It also brings to mind the other idea, the biblical idea of shalom, uh, which you probably deal with, work with a lot. And uh, shalom, just like the uh, Greek word for salvation, are these holistic, broad words that include so much that God wants for us uh, beyond um, simply praying a prayer and checking a box. I, I think amen to that, Pastor, is that one of the most difficult things for uh, you know, people to do is to just slow down and take a breath. And so I think we all will teach our clients to just breathe and to just calm ourselves and to just wait on God. Just, just take a breath and notice your breathing. In a way is that when I was talking about connecting to self, one of the best ways to to, to come back to self from all the things that we could worry about is to just notice our breathing. Simple. And I think some people in the church historically may have thought, uh-oh, Steve's talking about taking deep breaths. We're getting into Eastern mysticism. Step back, put up the walls. When, yeah, in, reality, when in reality, the psalmist says, be still and be know still that I'm God. And know that I'm God. Yeah. And just that, that verse, be still and know that I'm God. We need to, in, in a sense, imagine who God is. Because, you know, the, the people in the Old Testament, people in the New Testament, didn't really understand who God was. And so, be still and know that I'm God. We need to imagine who God really is. And in, in a sense, in our breathing, invite him in. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the goal of Eastern meditation is to empty oneself. The goal of, of Western or biblical meditation, you know, like, like the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, Lord. It's about filling our, filling our heart with God, mm -hmm. filling our mind with God. Mm. Good. And I think there's a real epidemic in, in particular in our uh, culture here in the Bay Area of uh, the Sabbath being completely forgotten in terms of our life experience. So I would say most of the families that I see, um, both mom and dad are working. Um, kids are um, filled with a million activities, uh, and oftentimes really good activities, but a million activities. Um, and sometimes rest is not part of the equation. Relaxing is not part of the equation. Sabbath is not part of the equation. Um, and what that does physiologically, our adrenaline is pumping all the time, yeah. and our body never gets relief from it. Um, and what that does is it uh, uh, certainly attacks our immune system. It increases the chances that we're going to experience anxiety. Uh, it's going to be very, very powerful. Um, and just the idea of taking a Sabbath and really resting, really resting. Um, I know for my Sunday, typically, wonderful time in the morning at church. The rest of the day on Sunday, going to Costco, getting ready for the week, you know, doing the clothes and all that kind of stuff. It's not a day of rest, you know. It's a day of preparing, you know, for the rest of the week. Uh, so 
Taking Sabbath is so, so important for us, but also incredibly hard for us to do. So you mentioned the adrenaline is that, as you know, I mean, you know, when we are on adrenaline and not, not resting, the, you know, and we don't have a, a real actual emergency to deal with, what happens is that that adrenaline breaks down into cortisol in our blood system and that the deleterious effects on that, on our, on our physical health is not good. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's good. Good to hear. Um, one of the things we do as church, and we talk about this in leadership sometimes, is uh, we think when we show up on Sunday morning that we need to dress right, have our hair right, sort of have everything look like we're healthy, happy, got it together people, uh, when in reality we know that all of us are messed up, broken, struggling, have challenges in a variety of different ways. And uh, historically, Christians just sort of want to seem like we're all okay in the community. Uh, part of our purpose this morning is to go, it's okay to not always be okay. And for us to be honest with ourselves and honest with one another and honest in the church that, uh, that, that our lives aren't always together and in many ways aren't together at all. And God cares about all of that and is about putting us back together, not like Humpty Dumpty, but in a holistic sort of uh, loving, kind of building on our Summer of Love series. God loves us. And he wants to help us in all of these different areas of our lives. Each of you are followers of Jesus, belong to churches, fully uh, are on board with what the church is about. And yet there this, there's this whole other realm that complements our therapeuo. And I'm grateful for each of you for what you do, for what God's called you to, for your faithfulness in that. And uh, we want people to sort of be able to participate in the things you're doing, all of us. Thank you. I'm going to, Thank you for having us yeah. and having this opportunity. Uh, the th- all three of them are going to be doing uh, a, a session at 11. Steve and uh, Dr. Arnold, Sonny, are going to be in the lighthouse at 11 o'clock for more personal Q&A, for some Q&A, for diving deeper into some things. Uh, so we've got about an hour with them. I'm really grateful for that. Candace is going to spend uh, some time with our youth up in the youth room, uh, giving them some space to ask questions Uh, from their world and their lives and their perspectives. So if you're youth or have a youth or you're at home and you want to rush your youth down here, uh, that's going to start at 11 in the Lighthouse. Uh, Thank you all for being with us this morning for this time and for the time that's to come. Uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. God, here we are uh, in a broken and fallen world, and we participate in that, and sometimes are the cause of that, and sometimes are uh, the victims of that, and the recipients of uh, pain, hurt, struggles, uh, challenges, uh, dysfunctions, mental illness, demons of various sorts in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in the world. Thank you that you've given your people, the body of Christ, uh, and these particular counselors or therapists, a variety of tools and knowledge and understanding uh, to help in your healing process. We pray that through your spirit that you would do healing work in us. We know from the scriptures that your desire is, is for us to continually grow in wholeness and shalom and wellness. Uh, thank you for the ways that you have healed people in this uh, room, in this building, in this congregation over the years in various ways, and that you desire to continue to do that. Bring that about as a part of the coming of your kingdom and be glorified in every way. We love you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for loving us and the world that you made. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.